Today I'm talking about finding the rhythm. Say finding the rhythm. Finding the rhythm, work, rest, and worship. And one thing that I learned this morning really quickly was that when you're off for a month, you get out of rhythm. When you're gone from something for a a four-week period of time, coming back, it's like, man, I messed that up. Went right, I blew by the mailbox. We always check that when we get here on Sunday morning. Blew right past it, had to back up. And then I'm heading to my parking spot, and I remember I didn't drop Pastor Barb off. (laughs) I was going to make her walk in with me, you know, and it's just stuff like that, that when you're not in that routine or that rhythm, you get out of that, everything seems to just come apart. And that's what this is about today. How many know that God has a rhythm? Yes, he does. Now, tomorrow is what? Labor Day. And I don't know if you know this, but they established kind of a celebration, a holiday, if you will, uh, in the late 1800s. And they intended to honor the men and women, and back then, boys and girls, who worked so hard to make this country what it was. People worked hard back in the 1800s. Not to say they don't today, but if you look at how people worked back then, I think you would agree their jobs were a whole lot more difficult than what we do today. They didn't have this thing called OSHA, right, that that protected the people from doing stupid jobs that would kill you. They'd send them into the coal mines without masks, without anything, and just go get them, (laughs) you know, things like that. They didn't have unions. We have unions today that protect our workers. They just did their jobs. And I want you to know today that it's important that we work. Amen? Amen. So again, finding the rhythm, work, rest, worship, and the first part of this is work. Why do we need to work? Would you agree with me that life is a gift from God? I would. I mean, I believe that he has created each of us for a purpose, something specific, and that means that we need to find what that is. We need to work toward that. Life is a gift from God, and we, you and I, we honor God, we honor the Lord when we work well, when we use our gifts, when we use our talents to honor him. Now, my parents were some of the hardest working people I have ever met. And I'm not just saying that. They really were. And and they were a a great role model for someone who uh, teaches their kids about work. Why did they work so hard? Because they wanted stuff, right? How many want stuff? Come on, be honest. Well, even if it's a pair of shoes, which some of you ladies have shoes probably that are worth more than a car, but we won't even go there. We want stuff. We've kind of been made to to go after that kind of thing. And, And my parents were no different. They had five children, including me. They actually had one more, but that's okay. I had an older sister who died early. But they, had, they raised five children, 
And they wanted us to have stuff. First of all, what they want? They wanted us to have a shelter, right? Roof over our head. They wanted us to have food. I had three square meals every single day. My mom packed my lunch in the morning. I usually had oatmeal or something like that in the morning for breakfast. Shipped us out the door with a lunch. How she had time to make all that, I don't know, because she worked three jobs. I mean, unreal. We get home at night, and we all sat around that table. How many do that today? Right? How many make your own meal? Most of us. Maybe we go to the freezer and pull it out of there. Or we go to that thing called fast food. <laughs> Whichever, you know? But my mom, uh-uh. We were eating something. Now, did I like everything she made? <sighs> she did this cabbage thing. And as a kid, <sighs> I tried to get away from the table and I had to eat. They would make me eat a, a number of bites before I could leave the table. That's probably why I was, I was so skinny back then. I don't know. But they, they taught me the value of work. That's my whole point. And because of that, I got a job at the ripe age of 12. Now today, we don't do that as much, right? It's, it's a little different culture today. Our society isn't wired like it was when I was growing up, but it was a good thing for me. And what my parents taught me was, look, Norm, if you want stuff, we're going to provide the basics. You don't have to worry about that. We'll put clothes on your back, food, all that stuff. We'll take care of that. But if you want anything beyond that, it's up to you. And I like that idea, kind of. So what did I do? I went and got a paper out job. Anybody? Besides me? Anybody else? Ah, really? Vanessa, cool. Was it easy? No. So I lived in Lansing, and we lived in the, we had country lots, and I had I worked up to about 120 customers. Now it was fairly easy during the week, Monday through Friday, but then Saturday came, and I had to have those papers out by between six and seven in the morning. I'm twelve. What are all the other kids doing? Sleeping in. But not me. I had to get up. And then Sunday came. Those papers were like this thick. Each one, 120. I had two stacks like this. I had to. Sometimes my parents felt sorry for me, and they would take a bundle of them and go drop them off like halfway. Otherwise, I had to carry those things. At 12 years old, that's why my back is so messed up today. Thank you, Sunday papers. But I worked hard, and I still remember being able to go out and buy that first big thing. It was a World Traveler Schwinn 10-speed. And you know what? I had that thing going 45 miles an hour on a flat surface with the wind at my back. I did. 45. I didn't, I didn't go that fast that long but I was cruising. I loved having that job. But then, besides getting up early, there was that other part of the job, having to go out and collect, collect money. Do you know that thing I was working so hard for? 
And I'd go to these people's doors, ding dong, and they'd just ignore me. I mean, come on. I see them in there. I could see them through the window. Hello, paper boy. And they just ignore me. It's like, I want my $2. You've probably seen that in a movie. That was a paper boy saying that. Come on. Give the kid a break. From that, I went into working in the restaurant. I was a dishwasher. Then I was a janitor. And I say all this just to say work is important. It was an important part of my life. When I met my wife, and she was very uh, independent, and she worked hard, was going to school. I eliminated that when she met me, but anyway, that's, that's another story. Um, but together, we combined our incomes, and that's when I got my, my dream job. Anybody ever have a dream job? My dream job was working at Oldsmobile. You're like, what? What's that? Yeah. It's General Motors now. It was, it was Oldsmobile. And I worked there for about 11 years. And during that time, I made a lot of money. And I was able to buy stuff. Lots of stuff. And we would go out to eat. Oh, man, did we, before we had kids, for six months, well, that's when she got pregnant. And then you don't go out to eat after that. <laughs> well, you can, but it's just worthless because it, never mind. She was a cracker person in the morning. Six months, we went out to eat three, four nights a week. I mean, and we went to nice places, right? We enjoyed life. We had so much fun. And then I'm 19, and what do we do? We buy a house. We bought a house at 19. I'm like, all my friends told me I was stupid. That thing, I paid 20, 26,000, 26,000 for that place, and it was nice. You spend 26,000 a day, you'll get a shed. Maybe. You got to put it together. We had stuff because we worked. We worked hard, seven days a week. But you know what? Something happened. Pretty soon, the allure of all that stuff, the cars, the, the house, it didn't matter anymore. It wasn't fun going to work anymore. How many could say, hey, I've been there? Amen. Yeah. It became a, a drudgery for this man young man at the time and I really struggled with it I gotta catch up to my notes sorry though I worked to get though I tried living that American dream as we like to call it I realized that there's a certain truth to it but happiness does not come from work especially when it's every single day even the fun things we did the items that we bought they lost their allure but then the miracle happened <laughs> i met the savior Amen. 
You see, I wasn't born again. I didn't get raised up in the, in the church like this. I was raised in a church, but I, I didn't meet Jesus until later in my life, in my 20s. And when I met him, something changed in me. My whole attitude began to look at things differently. And then one day, as I was studying, I saw this in the scriptures. This is what the Apostle Paul commended the church in Coloss to do. Colossians 3.23. Would you say this with me? Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. How many of you have read this before? How many of you practice this? <laughs> About half the hands went up. <laughs> this is so important to understand because it will literally change your life. If you begin to understand what it is I'm trying to share with you today. I've shared a little glimpse of my life and how before Jesus, stuff was all that mattered, and then that stuff lost its glitter, if you will, the glimmer that I saw in it. It no longer drove me to get up and go to work. But then when I read this, something happened. I realized quickly, <laughs> Jesus was my boss. Hello? Now let me ask quickly, how many in this room, and I hope they're not, if your boss is here, don't raise your hand. How many of you have a boss who might be a stinker? I'm glad that uh, Melinda and... I knew you were going to raise your hand. My wife's back there. Whatever. I was waiting for you to do it too, but you didn't, thankfully. I see that hand over there. You know, when you recognize Colossians 3.23, when you live this in your life, when you see God as your boss... Jesus, it changes everything. It no longer matters what that person is saying to you or not saying to you. It doesn't matter if they promote you or don't promote you. Because you serve Jesus. And I decided that I was going to make my job my ministry. How many have done that? Raise your hand. You've made your job your ministry. Now, less hands went up. Okay, that's good. This is important because we were created for such a thing as this. Our job isn't just to come to church as a Christian and enjoy an hour and a half service. Our job begins when we leave. When we walk into that factory or that retail business or that shop downtown or wherever it might be, whatever you might do, that's what is important. And if you work as though Jesus were your boss, the people that are around you are going to see who? Whom? Jesus. That's where you let your light shine. Right? Amen. All right. Then the next verse became my reality. Colossians 3.24 Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So when you make Jesus your boss, 
When you make the Lord your boss and you begin to work as unto him, not people, the Lord said, I will reward you with an inheritance. Now, would you rather get your inheritance from a human or from the Lord? I can't wait to see what some of you get as an inheritance one day. I think you're going to be blessed beyond measure. And it's not just a heavenly thing. I believe God blesses us while we're here when we do what I'm talking about here. When we make the Lord our boss. After reading this, I realized that Jesus is my boss and I'm going to begin to work for Him, not human beings. And it put a whole new spin on everything that I did. I recognized, this is, this is important, I recognized that if I'm serving Him, I'm working as unto Him, and if I'm lazy, then the people around me are going to do what? How many know that you're a Christian wherever you work? You know, some Christians don't tell anybody. We're like secret Christians. Uh oh, I did that. They'll probably take it off of Facebook. You know, people need to know what, who you love, who you serve. And the more that you can make Jesus your boss publicly, the more that they see you serving Him, which means you're in essence serving everyone. It does something. It trips them up a little bit. They're like, why are you doing that? Norm, why are you working so hard? When I was in the factory, why are you working so hard? We don't need to work that hard. I said, do we make good money? Well, yeah. Do you like your job? Yeah, most of the time. Then why would you do your best? And that's how I looked at it. And I tell them, I'm not doing this for people. I'm doing this for the Lord. And they, the guys around me knew that. They understood that about me. Interestingly, when I began working as unto the Lord, it really didn't matter anymore how bosses treated me. I didn't care. I found satisfaction and I found pride in my work because I knew Jesus was watching. And that can be a little scary, too, when you take that extra 10 minutes on your lunch. Accountability, Accountability, integrity. It's the things that others don't see that matter. But because I knew the Lord was watching, I did my very best. And I, I truly did this. I served or worked as unto the Lord, and promotions followed. Promotions followed. Within six months of becoming born again, meeting the Lord as my Savior, and starting to practice this, because I learned this early in my Christian walk, I was promoted to the engineering group in Osmobile, which was a raise, a way better environment, cleaner. I didn't have to do as much labor, I still had to work, but 
not as much labor. And I gave that all to the Lord. And, and the cool part, the bonus was, my boss was a Christian. First boss I'd ever had that was a Christian. And I loved every, we'd get together and share stories. We'd pray, we'd talk to each other about the Lord. When he ended up leaving, I missed that. But the Lord blessed me because I was working as unto him. Why am I saying this? There are a lot of young people in this room today. You're just beginning your careers. Can I say to you, you can never outgive the Lord. And when you do this, young people, when you're working as unto the Lord, you watch and see what God will do for you. He'll change heaven on earth for you. If you're truly serving him, and I'm trying to include everybody here that, that is younger, and even for us old people, older people, you know, we, we're still doing things, we're still serving, we still work in the church sometimes, do that as unto the Lord. If you're doing a half job, what's the Lord going to say about that? Is that truth? Do you get what I'm trying to say there? And again, I can only use my own example. When the, Years ago when uh, I worked in the church, I worked at Oldsmobile, I worked in the church, I became an usher, that, that was my, job, my ministry, if you will. I poured my heart into that. When I was an usher, I was serving Jesus. And I did my best. I was on time or early. I was always early. I made sure I looked as good as I could. My suit, we wore suits back then. My suit was clean, man. I was ready to go. Because I knew I was serving the Lord. And anybody here, I'm not telling you to wear a suit next week. Please don't misunderstand where I'm going with this. What I'm saying, this is a come as you are church. You know, you dress, as long as you're dressed. That's important. <laughs> but, you know, if you're, if you're in a job or a ministry that where you're greeting people, make sure that you... Thank you. You know, do, do the armpit check. <laughs> or have somebody do it. No, don't do that. You get what I'm saying, though? And be on time. Well, it's church. I can be a few minutes late. No! This is one place you should be on time. That's right. For those who are lazy, and I don't know many people who I would attribute this to, but for those who are, the writer of Proverbs had a lot to say, and, and lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. That's a good one. How about this? Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. And then in 2 Thessalonians, Paul concludes his point with this. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives and refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. Hmm. Whoops, I think I missed. Oh, 
nope, I missed it. I don't have my Bible with me. I knew I should have grabbed it. I had it up here. What's the next, what are the next, who has their sword with them? I don't even have my phone on me. Well, bring it here. Thank you. What version is this? Oh, good. It's not the King Duke. All right. We're, I apologize. I should have been. All right. We're looking at uh, verses 12 and 13, I think. Am I in the right one? Where am I at? Three. That's why. There we go. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. Hello? And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Now that that is pertaining to work. Never tire of doing good. And he's speaking to who? The church of Colossus. The, the church. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. Here's your sword back, Sarah. Thank you. I'm just going to keep mine up here from now on because the Holy Spirit said, keep that up there. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to need that. I got it in my notes. Ah. Anybody else struggle sometimes listening to the Holy Ghost? Work is an essential part of every human being. If you're not doing what you can to work, you should not expect anything from the Lord. At least that's my takeaway from this. God made us to work in one way or another. Now, we all have individual talents, gifts. Some of us are stronger than others. You know, I'm not expecting some of you who are a little more frail to come in and and help move a tractor. But you can pray. You know, you, you can encourage. There are so many things. You can greet somebody at the front door, which we need people that smile. And don't scare folks away, but actually invite them in. Right? Hallelujah. Paul was talking to the church when he gave us Colossians 3.23. And if we come to church week after week after week and we don't find our place, then I don't think we're fulfilling that verse. And by the way, here's a shameless plug. I need people to help with projects around here. Physical projects like trimming bushes and uh, painting things and stuff like that. If, If anybody here is up to that, see me or email me and just say, hey, I'm available and I'll work something out, because I can't do everything. I try to do what I can, but uh, this last week I did some things around here, and it's a lot of work, but I'd rather be focusing on this so that when I step into this pulpit, I have something to feed you, right? So pray for me and help me to get the little things done, because here's what happens. Have you ever done this? You're sitting at home and you're praying and you're seeking the Lord and then you, you notice the dust bunny on top of your fan. So what do you do? You go get the dust rag out and you clean the fan before you can go any further because you're sidetracked now. And then you get back into your prayer time, right? And then you notice that the couch is off. Anybody else that anal? I, 
it's got to be just so. Or it messes me up. And, and that happens here. When I see things out of place, <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to focus on what I'm supposed to be doing as pastor, but then I realize, ah, you know, there's a big stain on the carpet in the front entry. I need to go clean that. And I struggle with this. So help me, deliver me from my anxieties, and volunteer. I'll stop there. After work comes this, and this is important. Remember I said, finding the rhythms, work, rest, worship. So what comes after work? Rest. How many like to rest? Oh, yeah. Sure beats work, doesn't it? Yeah. For some of you, though, this isn't a problem. Work isn't a problem. Rest is. Some of you are workaholics. And I'm calling you out today. Some of you never allow yourself to take a break. Some of you parents are mamaholics or dadaholics. And by that, I simply mean you're the primary caregiver. And you stay at home while your other spouse usually goes to work. It's okay that you work hard for your family, but you must get your rest, mom or dad. It can't be a 24-7 thing, or you are going to become so exhausted that you're unable to function. And in case you're wondering, it's not a good thing if you're working 24-7. You husbands and you wives who work outside the home need to give your spouse a break once in a while. Hello? Maybe I'm talking to somebody online because you guys aren't nodding. You know, maybe you're older folks in this room. You know, it, it doesn't hurt us, those of us who are grandparents or uncles or whatever, to maybe help our kids and offer to take the little ones for a few hours so that they can get a break together. We're a family, aren't we? We're together in this. I have a quote here from uh, author Shauna Nyquist, and she said this, Rest is not something that the world gives us. It's never been a gift. It's never been something you do when you've finished everything else. If you want rest, you have to what? Take it. Take it. You have to resist the lure of busyness. Make time for rest. Take it seriously and protect it from a world that is intent on stealing it. I think this is really good wisdom. And I remember years ago, Pastor Dave Williams, who was my first real pastor, uh, who I fell in love with and served for many years, he used to say this. He said, you know, I worked 24-7. I never took time off. And then one day I discovered a secret. And he called it the secret of spiritual loafing. You laugh, but there is so much truth in this. And I used to be like that. I worked and worked and worked and worked, and I never took the time just to kind of let my batteries recharge and seek the Lord and what He wanted me to do with certain things. And when I discovered this, I realized how much more creative I was, how much more energy I had, 
when I delivered said product. Creative loafing is a real thing. It's learning to rest in the Lord. Anyone can run on fumes. Maybe this is you. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? Have you seen people like this? I know there's some in the room. I'm, not, I'm trying not to look at you guys because I don't want anybody thinking, oh, he's looking at me. <laughs> hey, if the shoe fits, wear it. This is for you. Learn from this message. It often shows, though, when you're running on fumes. You don't do as good a job. You miss things. You're sharp with people. It takes wisdom to see the value in learning to rest in the Lord. And I believe the Lord, He gives us a rhythm for a reason. Have you ever noticed in the Scriptures how God made night and He made day? Why? So that we'd have darkness and light? No. The nighttime is for rest, sleeping. Now, I recognize some people work nights, but that's odd. Back in the day when the scriptures were written, there were very few people that worked night shift. Most people were smart enough to work days. Now, there might have been security people that did, but otherwise, and the crooks, that's when bad things happen. When does everybody go to the bar? In When? Where the most bad accidents happen? At night. Things go on at night. We should be in bed. Just saying. Daytime is for work. For being creative. For praying. For loving God. Loving our friends and our neighbors. God made a rhythm. Science shows that people who get a good night's rest are healthier and sharper. And that's a fact. We also have the model that God gave us, Genesis 2.2. You're all familiar with this. On the seventh day, God did what? Finished his work, so he rested. Everybody say, God rested. And God blessed the seventh day, declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all of his creation. In Hebrew, this phrase, he rested, is expressed by the word vayishpach. Meaning, and he rested. One commentary conveys the idea of ceasing from work and finding rest. This rest should not be understood as fatigue or exhaustion experienced by humans, but rather as a completion of the creative process. Summing this up, my words, God didn't need to take a nap after he created everything. All right, What he did was as he stopped to enjoy what he had created. In fact, he said this, at the end, it is very good. I've done good work. God commended himself. And he can do that because he's God. Then the Lord gives us the fourth commandment. Found in the book of Exodus chapter 20. Remember to observe the what? The Sabbath, the Sabbath day. By keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord, your God. Dedicated to who? The Lord, the Lord your God. If you don't say it like that, it's not going to come out right. I'm just kidding. On that day, 
No one in your household may do any work. Now, these were the laws given to the Israelites. These were the, the things God gave them to obey when Moses came down the mountain, had those Ten Commandments on the tablets. This is one of the things, the fourth one, that they were to obey. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. That pretty much covers everybody, right? Right. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why he blessed, that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. How important is this for us? Some think that Sunday is a fun day. Guess what? I'm not going to say it isn't. It could be whatever you make it. I think Sunday's a fun day. Even though usually I'm preaching on this day. Now the last four weeks, I've had Sundays off, and it was different. It, not necessarily in a good way. I just It was different. But Sunday can be a fun day. But here's the thing that we all need to recognize. The Lord knew something about us when he said this, when he gave us this day. We are not phys only physical beings. Say that. I'm not only a physical being. I'm also a spiritual being. And God knows this because he created me. And he gave us this day so that we could recharge our batteries, spiritual batteries. When we go full tilt seven days a week, we start to lose energy, momentum. Things start coming apart. We start coming apart. I want to be whole. I want to, I want to go into glory healthy. And to do that, I need to honor what the Lord's saying here. I need to make a day a week. I said it, a day a week where I spend that day let my batteries recharge. Spending time in the Word, spending time with the Lord, spending time with my family. It's important. It's enough so that they put it in the book. Can I get a good amen? amen? The person or family that doesn't do this will quickly get disillusioned and their faith and their faith. They may even lose their faith and they may fall away. We see this all the time in the church and one of the verses that I just grabbed hold of, and I'm always reminded of this because Pastor Roger loves this verse. Don't you? This, you repeat this a lot. Sin will run rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. This is what happens when we don't get our batteries recharged, when we allow the world to kind of take us over, our stuff. This happens. We, we lose interest in our faith and in what God's doing in us and through us. In Hebrews, the writer shows the value in coming together to perform good works for each other in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And it says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You know, this is important. When you come together, you should be looking for people you can bless. 
Man, if I had cricket noises, I'd be playing them. (laughs) When you come to church, you should be looking for ways to bless others. Look around this room. Every single person in this room goes through stuff. You know, and I know some of you ladies in, in the Bear River program, I know your life is... You're really trying to figure out what's next. What's God doing in my life? What's he want to do with my family? How's this all going to work out? We're here to encourage you, by the way, if you haven't figured that out. But we're here for each other. It's not just us pouring into you, but you can also pour into some of us if you can find it in you to do that. We love seeing you here. All of us do. Yeah, amen. This guy down here that drives the bus, he, he, he loves doing this. And, you know, I, when I tried to take it away from him a while ago, he's like, I love doing this. I'm like, good, because <laughs> I don't have anybody else right now. <laughs> Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And listen, when they wrote this 2,000 years ago, we're a lot nearer now than we were then. So we can apply this, I think, quite readily today. So how should we treat rest? If you're a workaholic, you need to learn to rest in the Lord. You know who you are. I don't have to tell you. Take time for yourself and get the sleep that your body needs. And get over that martyr thing. Some of us, are um, we have that martyr syndrome. We're not happy unless we're just worn out to a frazzle. And our family is like, oh, you look so tired. That should be a rebuke. Get some rest. Work your schedule out. Maybe you're doing too much. Maybe you need to cut some things out. But whatever it takes, find time to rest in the Lord. Take time for yourself. Get that sleep your body needs. And if you treat Sunday as a fun day, (laughs) don't forget that your spirit is essential to who you are. And if you don't feed it, nobody else is going to. Take time to be with the Lord on Sunday or another day if you happen to be one of those. I know people who work in the, the, the hotel industry, and most of the time they're required on Sundays here. I get that. But find another day of the week when you can lay low and just let your batteries recharge. Very important. The Lord set aside one day to keep holy for our benefit, not His. Can you agree with that? And my suggestion, and I believe His command is, feed your spirit. Wrapping this this part up, Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 says, so there is this special rest. And that, that word, with the asterisk is just sabbat, the Sabbath. It could be Sabbath. So there is a special rest or Sabbath still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. Are you hearing that? Just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter the rest. To enter that rest. But if 
we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. And he was talking about them doing their own thing, not honoring the Sabbath. Making more out of it than it was. Adding all their legal requirements. They failed. God wants us to enter into our rest with him. And when I conclude this shortly, I'm going to have you guys come up and play that. Uh, the last song. Um, yeah, which one was that? Nothing else? That Sarah sang? Yeah. And, and I would like to invite our uh, prayer partners to come up as well. But if you have a need at the end of this morning or just want somebody to pray with you, agree with you, we're going to open the altar here in a minute. Let me finish this out. We all need to learn to rest, right? Our bodies need sleep. Our spirit needs to rest in the Lord at least once a week. The last part of this, and this kind of dovetails off of rest, is worship. And this is a brief discussion, so don't, don't worry. I'm not going to go until 1230. In Matthew 21, 16, Jesus said, they asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Because they were giving praises to Jesus. And Jesus said, yes. <laughs> Have you ever heard the scriptures? For they say, you taught children and infants to give you praise. Of course, he was quoting Psalm 8-2. My point is this. God designed us to worship him. We were created with that in our DNA. And if we're not doing this, we're missing a key element in our health, in our growing, in our maturity, if you will. We need to learn to worship the Lord. It's a big part of who we are. Yes, it's important to work. Yes, it's important to find time for rest and to rest in the Lord. But finally, number three, for the rhythms to be there, we need to understand that we have to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Those who don't do this, I believe they run around amiss. They, they, they're trying to find happiness in all the wrong places. But when we discover true worship, you know, it can be on your fishing boat. I'm telling you, I, when I get out there, and uh, my son and I went out last week, and it was the night that that moon came up. And it was... When it first came up, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, you know, that blood orange thing. Because it was, it was about that bright right there on that cross. And when it started coming up, Troy goes, Dad, look, look at that moon. And I'm just like, oh, that's our God. Amen. That's our Lord. I actually took a short video of it as it came up a little bit. And I tried to take a picture, but he kept moving the boat, so the... There, it was just this red line because the boat moved when I took the... Anyhow, rabbit trail. Everywhere we look, we can worship God. Not just in things, but in how He created us, who He made us to be. We can thank Him for that. Worship is a part of our DNA. God put that in us. But the devil has somehow gotten us to focus on stuff rather than God. And we, when we make that mistake... We suffer physically, spiritually, and even emotionally. You know, if people are following what I'm suggesting here today in finding your rhythms, work, rest, and worship, it can help you in so many ways, even emotionally.
It really does. The more time you spend with the master, the less you're going to feel like things are coming apart. And I, I know that for a fact, because I've been there and done that and bought that t-shirt. If we make the mistake, though, to worship stuff, we suffer, and God knows that. And that's why he gave us these commands. That's why he told us to work hard, to rest, and to worship. I love what the psalmist said in chapter 63. This is the living Bible. We need to practice this. I will bless you, Lord, as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. At last, I shall be fully satisfied. I will praise you with great joy. My son told me that I've shared this before. Maybe I have. And I was going to get a picture of it. But how many know how cute my grandson is, Corbin? I'm sorry, he just is. The other grandma's over here going, yeah! Well, the other day, they came over, and little Corbin was at our house, and he kept coming over to me and doing this. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, two grandmas. And the last time he did it, he looked up at me, he's like this, wanting me. And the Lord said, when you lift holy hands... In worship, that's what I see. Just like your grandson melts your heart. When we come to our Heavenly Father and we lift our hands in Jesus' name. That's what God wants from us. Worship Him. It's not a task. It's not a job. It's a privilege, it's a joy. We get to. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna speed along here. I'm gonna skip those. Yep, yep, yep. So I'm just gonna go to the last one. Find the rhythm, work, rest, worship. Would you stand with me? As I begin to close as the worship team comes back up. You show your love to God when you spend time with Him, when you work as unto the Lord, when you rest in Him, when you worship Him. These are the rhythms that God has made for His people. And when we find these rhythms in our own lives, when they become a part of who we are, did you know that the earth sings? Have you heard that? There's something in the core, a rhythm, if you will, and the earth sings. How much more are God's people? If God made an inanimate object to sing, how much more his people? And some of us, we have beautiful voices, but that part doesn't matter. You know what God hears? He hears your heartstrings being played. He hears when you come to him and you reach up to him like my grandson, and I know he loves me because 
He wouldn't do that otherwise. He's not old enough to understand. He just wants to be with Papa. And your Father in heaven adores it when you come to him like this. And here's the best part. You don't have to be anywhere special. You don't have to be in church. You, don't, you can do this anywhere. Because God is everywhere. And he knows you. So let's figure out what the Lord's trying to do. Let's work at moving in these rhythms that God has set in place for us. For our well-being. For our family's well-being. For the well-being of even the church. Because I, I believe the healthier we are, the healthier the church will be. And we'll even look more the word people will want to come here because when they look at us they'll see hey you guys have got I've had people say that to me Norm what is it that you have there's something about you that's different and I can't put my finger on it and they know I'm a Christian I mean that that part's a given but it's more than that it's a peace It's, it's being able to say father I need help and he hears me. It's, it's having that knowledge that God cares. People in this culture don't know that anymore. They need to hear the good news. Jesus paid the price. And if we don't tell him, who will? So ask the Holy Spirit. Examine your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you if you're missing any of these rhythms. Work, rest worship and I'm going to ask you if you would if you feel inclined as we sing this song make this your uh, your prayer and just come forward and you can get on your knees or just lift your hands whatever you feel inclined to do but let's just take a minute here we've I know it just turned noon like usual pastor Norm goes over but let's let's let God move yeah That's my point.